This is the Mentoring Moments Podcast with Jensen Franklin and Marcus Meekum. Well, welcome to Mentoring Moments. I'm Marcus Meekum here with Pastor Jensen Franklin. Of course, and today we have an incredible guest. Uh, Pastor Perry Stone is with us, and we're looking forward to today's content and subject. Of course, Perry's an expert in prophecy, uh, things concerning Israel. And right now, uh, Free Chapel is in the middle of a revival that's gone on for a couple of weeks. I just got in today, and it's going to be going on tonight as well. So I can't wait uh, for many of you leaders, pastors, and whoever's watching uh, to hear about what God's doing and maybe maybe how we can be a part of it. Well, you know, we did uh, we did a, one of these mentoring moments on the power of having a prayer meeting in the church again and calling the church to prayer. And little did I know what God was uh, um, sowing the seeds for. Um, the, what has happened the last seven nights of uh, this past week, and I, you know, at the time of this taping, or, or the time of people listening to this, of course, you know, tomorrow or whatever tonight is is not up to date exactly. But I, I'll, I just want to talk about what has been happening. We don't know what we're doing. We didn't plan it. I asked Perry to come and conclude a series on signs of the times. We were we were going to focus one hundred percent on prophecy for one month. The Lord clearly told me to do this. I've never done it in all my years of pastoring. Um, and this is important because I am not, I, I've never considered myself um, a prophecy type preacher or teacher. I know enough about it. I certainly believe in the, in the, in the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. I believe in all of it. I, I have studied it. I have preached it in pieces here and there. But I felt something earlier this year shift in me to say, you as a pastor are failing your congregation if you do not get into this and at least show them this is what we know for sure according to the Scripture about prophecy. Not, not uh, um, guessing, not man's opinion here and there, but this, these are the things that, are, that have already been fulfilled in prophecy, and these are the things that remain. For example, there are 16 major prophecies concerning the nation of Israel. From the Old Testament, I mean, all the way to Matthew 24, where Jesus himself started prophesying about the nation of Israel. There are 16 major ones. And that's that's any theologian would tell you that anyone can show you those exact ones. And, uh, you know, a, a nation will be born in a day, Isaiah 66. And, and, and it's just reaffirmed over and over and over and over. And then when you understand that 13 out of 16 have been fulfilled, just like the scripture said. That 13 out of 16 of those prophecies have happened and there are only three that are left. That, that that can happen. I would say that's what 80, 87 percent accuracy and when or something like that. It's about as good as it gets for our generation to say. And and, and preachers and that. preachers sound silly almost to get up and when you see Israel in the headlines like yeah. we're seeing, when you see Hamas attack 
the nation of Israel, and you're silent or you're wishy-washy or you're unsure mm. where you need to stand as a congregation, and you don't, your people are ignorant scripturally. Yeah. They don't, they, especially the young people. Right. Especially, at, well, if you preach that, you're going to lose people. That's political. No, sir. That is not that true. That is biblical. Yeah. And so, so I'm well, trying was, to, I'm trying to get to yeah. you. So, so here we are. I felt this stirring yeah. about prophecy yeah. and you know me, I've yeah. joked with Perry. <laughs> has, I said, yeah. you know, when I want prophecy, this is the guy I call, come hold, come have a kind of preach or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, well, let me tell you something interesting. Uh, there's different types of churches now in America, especially with the first generation pastors. You and I have a great heritage. I'm not sure about the no, brother. First generation. First generation. Yeah. So Jensen and I had a father. I had a father and a grandfather. So when you have that heritage, they place in you the seed very early. So good. So that seed doesn't get away from you. The first generation ministers have to get the seed placed in them. But here's the question. Who is placing? Which is why, why we do this. Yeah, yeah. Because for 20 years, and you don't know this. I want to frame it so you right, know who yeah. you're talking to. Okay. For 20 years, every Saturday— He's picked up the phone and talked to me, and I've always gravitated towards older oh, ministers. God. And the reason I've always gravitated towards that is because father. I lack the the root system. I right. don't have the, right. that. I don't have it, and so I covet it when yeah. I hear y'all stories about oh, wow. all that. Because you know, again, you're going to have your own atheist. stories now, brother. You know, yes. that's well, the great no, I thing. Do. I have he is kids in ministry. Yeah, you got and your, I have a, got a grandson. Now, so, so your yeah, legacy's we do. But but we want to. What we wanted to do is take these conversations I have with him, and somehow. Let another generation. That, that's right. We did. I didn't want to lose it, and so that's what this is well, about. Me, so what you're saying, yeah, is so important for and us. So, because, and so there is a generation of first generation ministers who are not uh, emphasizing it. And I want to tell you a call I received. This would be considered a, uh, you know, there's different types of churches. This church would consider itself a seeker sensitive congregation. Had a young pastor, but the pastor came up under my ministry in big revivals for four years. He was a student at a university and went, and I, I preached his very first revival when he had 200 members. He went to 15,000 members. So he called me one day. He said, Perry, can I talk to you? I said, absolutely. He said, for the first time in my life, I have a concern. He said, I'm going to explain my concern to you. He said, when I was reading Revelation 13 the other day about there's a mark and a name and a number. Yes. Can't buy or sell without the mark and the name of the number. Mm. He said, I realized suddenly that you taught us that when you were a young minister in the 90s. And I had that inbred in my spirit. And he said, I know that's true. But he said, the younger generation is so tech savvy. They love every device. They love every app. I, I'm afraid my entire church of millennials would think that the mark of the beast is the coolest thing. Let's say it's a chip and you can open a door, you can open your car. It's got your medical information they would take it and not realize what the biblical consequences are. And this pastor was so stirred that he said, and he said this, I think ministers such as myself are failing the millennial generation. We're afraid to preach about it because it brings fear. We're afraid that, I had one pastor tell me he had uh, 20,000 members and we were in a car talking prophecy till three in the morning. He's a dear friend, he's retired now. And he said, Perry, I want to tell you something. And, and I'm saying this for a reason. I want to make a point here. He said, I know ministers who love to watch you on TV. They love your teaching, but they will not have you at their church. And I said, why? He said, because of the prophecy aspect. And I said, no, no explain. you don't have to explain that to me. He said, there are men that think that if you were to come in and preach prophecy, one, it would scare some of the new people. 
Two, that people would start taking their money to prepare for what could happen instead of giving to the church. And Jensen, here's what I want to tell those ministers who are watching. We have a prophetic summit every year, and the largest offerings received by the ministry all year are at the summit. And here's why. When people understand that there is a time of the end, there's good and bad happening. Revival is the good part. Some of the signs are negative. But when you understand that the Lord's coming and I don't take nothing with me, then what do you start doing? You start investing in souls because you'll take nothing with you but the people you win. Mm. Nothing goes to heaven with you except you yourself. You follow the Lord and the people you help win through a ministry or through a church. So what I've discovered is people who are strong in prophecy are givers because they don't want to leave it here. They know that when they pass away or the Lord comes, they don't take it with them. And I, have, I, I see older people now that are leaving in their will the church ministries, in their entire will. And, and, that's, and that's prophecy in Matthew 24. And when this gospel shall it. be preached, Jesus said this. Mm-hmm. The whole chapter 24 is nothing but a prophecy sermon from Jesus. Jesus preached right. on prophecy. And 25, because he adds that in there too. It's all yes, the same thing. Absolutely. absolutely. He just continues it. And and when this gospel is preached into all the world, then the end then. will come. So that is what, how shall they go unless they be sent? And how shall they send unless you send them? Exactly. See, everybody watching, you, and most of you may be ministers, but your people in the congregation work jobs or secular jobs are retired, and they can't go. You know, they can take a mission trip every now and then or something like that. So that's why, that's why the emphasis, I tell people, that you know, when 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 people receive an offering, uh, so many people have had misunderstandings about giving to churches or ministries. But we need to begin to teach our people of what we are doing with what they have. I had a right. man tell me one time he was going to give a million dollars to a ministry, and he said, "My biggest concern about being a businessman that gives is number one, I want to know that I'm giving to something that's doing something. It doesn't just say it. I mean, there, there's something happening." And I, number two, I want to know it's going for what I give it for. And pastors, it's very important that when you receive a tithe and offering, which we do, most churches do every Sunday or whenever, that you let the people know, hey, by the way, we have this outreach going. By the way, just so you'll know, we fed X number of people. By the way, you know, we just sent some money to a ministry in Israel. Because people are, are seed, need, or deed given. And, and seed is the understanding that I am planting a seed that will bring a harvest in other people's life and my life. A deed is, okay, we're supporting a ministry in Israel. We're supporting a rehab. We are supporting a feeding center. There are people in the church that they want to give, and they'll give substantially if there's deeds being done of which they know results come through the deeds. And the third is the need. There are people that sow a seed with a personal need, knowing the scripture and the promises mm. that if I will do something for others, God will bring it back to me and meet my need. And the scripture is, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And of course, if you read that in Philippians, Paul was talking about koinonia, fellowshipping with him in the gospel. Now, now I want you to go back, ministers, and look at that. Go to Philippians chapter four. Actually, he talks about koinonia four, five times in Philippians. And he says, you have fellowshiped with me in the gospel, and now God shall supply all your need. Sometimes we take that scripture by itself and just say, you know, folks, God's going to supply our need, but take the context. 
Paul is saying, because you have helped me get the gospel, now God is going to provide all your need. That's something that should be taught to your people. But going back to prophecy, uh, one of the reasons that ministers stay away from it is, for example, if uh, I've told Jensen this, that one of my biggest audience is Baptists and Catholics. Okay, now, in, in the Baptist churches, most of them, because of the Schofield Bible, are pre-trib, most of them. But a lot of people are leaning uh, mid-trib. And I have a lot of uh, younger ministers in, in connected to me that they actually are post-trib now. And so a lot of people stay away from it because they say, okay, if I preach this in my church— and I'm talking pre-trib, and everybody's mid and post, then I'm going to cause division. But what I do when I preach it is I say, I realize that some of you don't believe this. Let me show you why I believe this. So I try very much not to attack yeah. anybody else's belief. And I'm not going to get up there and say, I know there's some of you out yeah. there, but you're done. You know, you don't do that. And, and you, the, you prove what you believe by taking the Scripture. And then it say, you take it, take, there it is. Yeah. I've laid it out. Now you have to. And, and the point, the point that, that I want to make to pastors and to church leaders is you don't have to understand every detail of everything about That's prophecy. Right. But what I learned is this. I learned this big one. And, and I don't know. I've heard this. I've noticed it. I marked it up in my Bible. Recently, the Lord led me to read the book of Revelation in a day. Mm-hmm. And he said, read it again. I've, I've read it. Sure. I've read it. But I said, but the Lord said, read the whole book in an unbroken session. It took me about two and a half hours. And because I took my time and read it and tried to just, I read every side note that I had on mm-hmm. it or anything that I had in, my, in the Bible that I was studying, the study Bible. This verse got me, though, verse 3 of Revelation 1. Blessed is he mm-hmm. who reads and those who hear the words of this book of prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it for the time is near. That text says Mm -hmm. all you have to do to be blessed when you recognize that you're seeing signs of the times happen right before your eyes. He said, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words. If I'm not preaching the words of prophecy from this book, You're my congregation a can't a blessing be missing. blessed in a time when the world is trembling in fear. It's the only book of the New Testament that says, read it and this will bless you. A guaranteed blessing yeah, that's on powerful, every Jason. ministry yes. and every person, every believer. who and, and, you know, I don't understand a lot of it, but but when I started diving into it, more and more. And, you know, I, I've challenged you for years. You should write a, a prophecy book called Prophecy for 101 for Dummies, <laughs> yeah. like me. Well, you're not, but, no, you're but, not a dummy, I'm not a Jensen, dummy, no. but, but, you know, it's like, uh, but now, and, and this is the thing, you've been preaching this stuff for 30 years, and I used, and I would tell you that's, that's, that's too far from me. Those yeah. wild, that's that's, a, that's a little, and we talk like that. That's yeah. nutty to me. That's I don't right. know about that one. Don't preach that when yeah, you yeah, come yeah, yeah. preach for me. Yeah, I, don't, right. I don't get it. Pastors that's too deep. that sometimes, which is fine yeah. with me. I'm, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. in your house, you know. <laughs> but 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 I have lived long enough to see uh, the preachers of bygone days in my generation that I came up under would be screaming to the top of their lungs. When we look at what's happening in Israel with Hamas and now even the nations of the world in the streets of New York City, protesters, 
uh, people being beaten, people because yeah. they're Jewish. Breaking in airports, going to a Jewish plane in Russia. That just happened yesterday. I mean, all of this is foretold. It's not. It's, it's not right. even. It's not even. It's not even debatable. No, it it's is there. It's the spirit of antichrist yes, that's because it. the antichrist that's is it. antichrist. That's right. And anti-Semitic. He hates the Jews. Anti-Israel. Right. He hates Israel. That's right. And he hates the Bible. Let me give you. Let me give the pastors a nugget. Hates here. Christians too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let me tell. Let me, let me tell you. Of two or three nuggets about the book of Revelation that'll change the whole understanding of it, right? Why does John say this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, but he only mentions Jesus in the early chapters, and then in Revelation 19, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Everything else is kind of an angel stood at the altar offering incense, but only the high priest could do that. I saw in the hand of him that a sickle in the son of man's hand. It's almost like he doesn't say a lot about Jesus through the book, but he says, this is the testimony of Jesus. I said, Lord, would you explain that? He said, I'm going to show it to you. He said, Jesus is a prophet, a priest, and a king. The three positions of the Old Testament. On earth, he was called a prophet. And he even said, "You you say a prophet has no honor in his own country. He said that. They called him. What have you come to see? They called him a prophet, right? right? But that was on earth. What is he now? Now, we're talking about 1,900 years. He is the high priest in heaven, the high priest of the profession of our faith. He is now in a priestly position. In chapter one of Revelation, that white robe with a gold garment is him as priest hmm. because the priest put on linen garments to go into ministry, standing at the right hand. But wait a minute. In Revelation 19, he's no longer priest. He's king because he's after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a king and a priest, or priest first and a king, king of Jerusalem. Okay, now check this out. The book of Revelation is the picture and the imagery of how Jesus is moving from priest to a king. And he starts by breaking a seven-sealed book, which is the will of God on earth, Mm. which is the will of God. As he breaks the seals, he is now moving from priestly ministry to where he is going to be the king of kings. So the book of Revelation shows you how Jesus starts taking over the kingdoms of the world because it says in chapter 11, the kingdoms of the world have now become the kingdoms of our God. Really? Theologically, that's in the middle of the tribulation. And then watch this verse in Revelation 17. It's the 10 kings who are with Antichrist. It says this, but God put it in their heart to fulfill his will. Whoa, 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 whoa. That'll blow things out. I mean, here's the Antichrist with these 10 kings that have given their nations over to him, but God has put it in the heart of those kings to fulfill his will. In the setting, they are destroying Mystery Babylon on earth. So it, it can get complicated, yes, but when you understand, number one, that the big, the big thing there is Jesus is priest, chapter one. He's king in chapter 19. And everything in between is revealing how he in heaven is orchestrating the judgments to bring the earth under his subjection so that when he comes back, he binds Satan and he takes over the earth. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? And it's so exciting. And yeah, when you really study, now you study it from that perspective, just think priest to king, priest to king. And here's the second thing I want to tell you real real quick is the festivals of Israel are concealed there. For example, when there's a multitude waving palm branches, that happens at the Feast of Tabernacles. When he is introduced as the lamb, that's a Passover image. 
and I don't have time to go, you know, <laughs> we could do a session for 101 for pastors, seriously. You and, should. and then when you, you see, when you see this, that all of a sudden, and it's all over the book. I mean, you see Passover, you can even see Pentecost, you can see tabernacles with the imagery of what's happening at the throne of God. I mean, it is just crazy. You see the Day of Atonement. Hey, one one of the greatest sermons I've ever heard you preach, and I've heard you preach, and people only know you for prophecy yeah, mostly. True. That's true. But you preach one during this revival on the temple in heaven. It's and called the Temple of the Tabernacle of the Testimony. It's one verse in Revelation. It's un, it is unreal. <laughs> and you got the short version. <laughs> I told the I church, like the short version. You, I know you, Pam likes the short version. You need to. <laughs> My wife. Because it, it's, it's just It's easier to understand. You can give make, an overload. I've ooh. learned this. And Jensen, you, you guys like you have helped me, okay, that you only have so much information that a human can absolutely uh, not just hear, but receive and, and, and hold it at a certain time. And I used to try to just put, you know this, I'd say, give me an hour, an hour and five. And it was scripture after scripture and verse after verse. And people out there like, Mabel, did you get that? I lost him five minutes ago. And you know, I was almost proud that I was losing him. Praise God. I, I gave him, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I, mean, I don't mean proud, but I was like, well, you know, bless God, they need to study the word more. And now you've taught me this. And my wife used to say, Perry, now I'm telling you, she said this, you need to preach more like Jensen. I said, well, I think I preach like him. We're both. That's we're what both they, they all tell us. In yeah. other words, she's saying, be real simple. <laughs> no, she said, I can understand everything he says. He's simple. Can I tell you this? You helped me. And then I realized Joel Osteen, Joel Osteen, very basic, and he's got 30,000 people, and they all are taking notes and understanding him. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, so now, true. there comes a time to take the saints and teach them really deep. But, but, but when you're but preaching in the pulpit let me with say the revival, this. This is great. you've got to you've got yeah. to keep you keep it where everybody can understand. This it. And it's so helped me. I'm serious. For our, for the people who listen to this podcast, because there's a lot of communicators. And what you have been doing in this revival, I've never seen you do. You preach maximum 40 minutes, maximum. You preach Sunday morning, 20 minutes. I've never that's a miracle of God. <laughs> it is, trust me. <laughs> but it was so on. It was, I saw, I, I can't even talk about it. I'll get messed up. I'll get emotional. I, you know, a pastor loves his flock. Yes, sir. A pastor yeah. rejoices when he sees revival, true mm. revival. I'm not talking about uh, people coming from all over here and there. When you, and that's wonderful. And, and, it's, and it's starting to happen. But that, our, our, our motive was so pure in this when we started yes, Sunday a week ago. Uh, it, you were supposed to come in at five o'clock, which we don't have Sunday night service. So I said, but I'm going to I want you to come in and close the prophecy series 5 p.m. I think the people will be ready. And, I, and you're popular with our congregation because of the relationship yes. we've had for years. Praise God. But we knew something was stirring. We've been praying once a month for over a year and doing nothing but praying one Sunday a month. And it was the seedbed. For, and you come in and you preach that night. The house was packed, packed, overflowed. Yeah. And the presence of God <laughs> filled Thank that you room. Lord. You preached on prophecy, but it was a different, uh, as you always do, a different twist. So anointed, so uh, revelatory that every person, especially, listen to me, pastors, especially teenagers, 
I don't know why a gray-headed preacher who's 64 yes. and another preacher who's 61 uh, are still having influence on young people and young preachers. But Jesus. what I have seen the last week has shaken me to the core and reminded me of the influence that godly men and spiritual fathers had on my life, including yes. my father. Jesus. And Paul said, you have not many fathers. You got a lot of instructors. instructors. A lot of them, they're great. They're, yeah. they're, much, they're much better uh, professionals and, and amazing communicators, and we honor them. We need them. I love that yes. the game has been taken up, yes. a lack of, you know, right. the, the term, communication yeah. skills, the, the presentation. I'm all for that. I get that. I, I honor anyone who's spreading the gospel. Yes, sir. Man, we need them all on our yes, team. Yes, sir. But there is something that is happening right now. It's not coming. It's here right yes. now. I feel such an urgency about uh, where we are in ministry to father uh, a generation. Yeah. And, and what I saw last night, <laughs> Sunday night, oh my. this oh is my. one week later after the revival when we're taping this, and we had on the campus, so help me, God, I'm not. I don't need to flood no, it. I don't, I don't have any camp. desire to at this point in my no, life. I could care less action. about that. Yeah. There were over 5,000 people by Act 5200 and something was the actual count on the campus. And cars turned away. We could not get the cars into mm. the parking lot. But it's not about that. It's about what happens every night in the altar yes, call. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and we and it's not like height. No, nope. it's not. We don't nope. know. It's it's sometimes it's just stand back and let people come if they want to come, and they fall to their knees by the hundreds, all the way down, and mostly young people, entire football teams, entire sections that we the 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 older people like me cannot even get to the altar. I can't even pray for they're, them. They're, so they're, they're, it's hitting like <laughs> fire. And I've been, I pastored in this same city for 33 plus years. And I, I have never seen anything like this. My wife was walking down the street in downtown going to eat with a friend, and they were waiting there for a minute. And she sees three business people. The courthouse is right there. And so they look like attorneys and dressed and, you know, in suits and all that four of them, actually, and they're sitting at a table, and they said, I don't know what's going on over there. She said, oh, she's eavesdropping, <laughs> and they're talking about the revival. And they said, but something, one of them spoke up and said, I have never seen anything like it. I've never heard anything like it. They're talking about uh, prophecy. They're talking about the coming of the Lord. They're talking oh, about, my. and young people, my, my kids are going over there. Ch kids are going over there. They're getting saved. They're getting, they're getting changed. The, all they want to talk about is church. <laughs> this is what's got to happen. This is we're not here to be a no. bunch of professional preachers. Uh -uh. We're here to say to a generation come to Jesus and come uh, now. And we owe it to him because last night I looked at all those young people on the platform. What 300 probably on the platform. We had to put them up around. We had to you. put them on the platform and I said to them they sat on their you butts know, for for 40 minutes yeah. and didn't move. No. They were captivated by the Word of God Jesus. and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
Not one of them moved. Not one. I, I watched them. I thought, well, this this could, you know, young people, you just never know. Not, not one, one of them went no. to their phone. Not no. one of them ever broke their gaze. Not no. one of them began to, and as soon as the altar call was. Bam. There they were. Not only them, but from it, it, every portion of our property here at, at the church, they, young people poured in and they stayed for they would have stayed for hours. Yeah. They, we kind of concluded about an hour later, and yeah. it was nothing but worship and crying out to God. You know, I, I've never seen. Let me say like something. It. I told the young people, and this is why pastors need to. They need. This is what they, the kids need to know. I said, "Do you know why you're?" And I looked at them and I said, "Your generation, they have gender confusion, they have same-sex relations, they have." Uh, pornography, I mean, just almost like teen pornography. I'm going to tell you why you're being fought. You are the only generation Mm. since the resurrection of Jesus that has a promise on it. Because God said, in the last days, afterwards, I preached it in Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters will prophesy. I said, Satan is trying to stop your voice. Yes. And I'm telling you, the kids got it, didn't well, they? prophecy is speaking. It's speaking. And I'm telling you, they all got it. It was like they looked at each other yeah. and said, God, that's it. Yeah. I mean, they're big. the enemy has done everything he can to corrupt a generation, man. And our government backs it and cities back it. And yet they, they know there's something more than what they're having. And once God breaks through to them and once God breaks through to their heart, Pastors, go with it. Don't be afraid of it. Yes. And, you know, every revival— And I'm have, a pastor, so, you yeah. know, I, 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 there's no nonsense. No. There's no silliness. No. There's no uh, weird— Let's just call this, it that. fanaticism. It is, there's it no is, fanaticism. We, I don't allow it's, that. It, no. Uh, that's not And I don't I either. Not in a revival. That, but it, I that would kill am, a revival faster than anything. It's just crazy right. people shoving, coming out being crazy. No, this is And I'll sit them down and God. say, we stay in the spirit. This is God. We, and it's God. Now, I and, believe the reason that this revival has broken out has to do with the timing of what's happening no with doubt. Israel. Man, and I want no to doubt. read this, and I want you to— I want you to explain to people, you just said they're the generation. We've all heard that. Well, it's yeah, the last days, yeah. and this is the generation. But, but why is this generation different? Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 32, Now learn the parable from the fig tree, that when you begin to see the fig tree put forth leaves, you know that summer's near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the Door. Yes, yes. What? And then he goes into the coming of the Lord. He talks about uh, as the day and the hour no man knows, but oh. uh, as it was in the days of Noah. And he yeah. starts giving, Can in, I get, and he talks about uh, one will be in the yeah, field, yeah. one will be taken, one yeah. will be left behind. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to give the ministers watching one of the greatest revelations you'll ever hear, and I'm serious. Preach this Sunday, because everybody's looked at that, what is the parable of the fig tree? Yes. So whenever the parable of the fig, whenever the fig tree blossoms, summer's near, and the coming's near. So I said, okay, Lord, what's the parable? And I went to my guide, Gideon Shore, in Israel on a Holy Land trip. I said, Gideon, Jesus talked about the parable of a fig tree, but he never explained the parable. Now think about it. He explains the wheat and tare. Every other parable, he gives you a little bit of an explanation, right? The kingdom of heaven is like, but he just talks about parable as though they knew what he was talking about. And I, he, he said, well, 
there are several parables of the fig tree. And I said, where? He said, well, in the Old Testament. I didn't know that. He says, it is not this one. He goes to judges where there's a fig tree parable. It's not that one. He shows me too. Oh, he says, I know which one is Song of Solomon. Okay, now we could read this, but in Song of Solomon, and I want to say chapter two, and I hope I'm not wrong. I'm a little dyslexic with numbers. Jensen knows that. Okay, he says in Song of Solomon, he talks about, you know what? Can we just go to yeah. Song of Solomon too? Sure. I need to read this because this will blow your mind because it reveals to you when the Lord's coming. He reveals to you what the sign will be when the Lord comes. So pastors, if you're taking notes, and I hope I'm right because I'm trying to go from memory here, but- Just in, go with it and we'll yeah, find okay. it. Okay, in the Song of Solomon, he talks about the fig tree, all right? Okay, here we go. Let's see. Ah, uh, uh, Okay. And the King, I love the King James, are you, are you in a King James translation yes. with that? Okay. Uh, no, I'm in the... Living message. I can, I, can, I can go with the way it says. All right. In, in Song of Solomon chapter two, um, listen, my beloved, look, here he comes. The King, the King James says, my beloved, I hear his voice. He's leaping on the mountains and skipping on the hills. So in other words, we see that the beloved is, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hill. He's like a gazelle. There he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows. My beloved spoke and said, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. The King James says, arise and come away. It mentions about the beloved skipping on the hills, that when the Lord returns, we'll be caught up to him in the air, and it will be in the realm of the mountains. This is the coming of the Lord verse, the beloved. Right. Then twice, Jensen, he says, uh, Arise, my fair one, and come away. You know why? Because there's a resurrection for the dead. Then there's a catching away of the living. He mentions coming uh, coming twice. Arise and come away. And here's, yeah. Oh, look at this. My, 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 Lord. Here we go. Arise up, my fair one, and come away. That's verse 13. Then he says, uh, uh, here we go. Here we go. He says, come away twice. Verse 10, verse 13. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green leaves. The fig tree has always been connected to Israel because one of the parables shows Israel is the fig. We know that. And that's how it's been preached. But let me tell you something else about the fig tree. The fig tree is the first tree to produce fruit when you know summer's coming. And that's why Jesus used it. But the point here is winter's over and the rain is done. Jesus comes at the end of the last outpouring. Hmm. There it is. The and last days I'll in the pour last out days my spirit, I'll pour my spirit. Prophet Look Joel. at that. Comes at the Woo! end. Of, comes at the it's end all over me. My God, I feel that. And, yeah. and, um, and that's that's why we're that's why we're keying up on sons and daughters. Pastors, that's why you got to key up on sons and daughters. They, God is coming to them. This is going to be, I'm it's telling good. you, this is, going, and this is going to be commonplace. The prodigals soon. are coming home. Too. Yes, sir. We see yeah. that. Yeah. But can you see where it says now the rain is over of God, the time of the fig tree has come. So it's connected not only to Israel, it's connected to the rain being over. And when the outpouring is globally done, it hadn't hit yet, Jensen. We think we've seen it. No, we haven't. It's about to hit all over the world. And when that happens, it's over and got done. Then he says, arise, my love, let's go away. That's the rapture. That's the yes. <laughs> First Corinthians 15, 
in the moment, in the twinkling, twinkling of, of an eye. eye. Yet a sound of the last trump, Paul said. Oh, my goodness. 1 Thessalonians 4. And astoundingly, hmm. after Jesus preaches in Matthew 24 about prophecy, then you go into Matthew 25, and the That's first right. thing he says is the parable of the ten virgins. Five wise You five said something ones. powerful last night about that. Want me to mention it? Yeah. The fi- that during, 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 when you look at the five wise and five foolish, they were all sleeping. It, it says they all slept. They all so knew the, he was coming, yeah, now watch but this. they were all asleep. There were 10 of them. During COVID, they limited the church to 10 people. Right? Right. Tennessee, you can only have 10. I'm thinking, why not seven? Why not eight? What's the deal with 10? And then I realized something that when Lot's in Lot's day, when you read who went in, Abraham said to God, if you find 10, will you spare the city? And God said, I'll spare it for 10. And that's how many went in with Lot's family, was 10. Mm. So now we have a government. Days of Lot as it was in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Noah. We're seeing the government say, you can only have 10. But see, 10 is all God needed to spare the city. So they cut us down to 10, but all God knew, if I can get 10 people in every church in America to intercede for America, I will not let COVID destroy the nation and I'll not let it take the world. So there's the 10. But in the parable of the 10 virgins, watch what I'm gonna show you. Five are wise, they had extra oil, and they went into the wedding. Five were foolish. And so they had to go out looking for oil. In other words, their mind was not focused on the bridegroom now. It was focused on life and the cares of life and their need. You with me? In other words, it wasn't focused on the bridegroom coming. We have to go have oil. We got to have some oil. Wait a minute, the bridegroom is coming. What are you focused on stuff in the world for? So watch this. During COVID, the statistic was that after COVID ended, 50% 50% of the church. Now, remember, if there's 10 virgins, that's 100%. If that's all 10. But if five are missing, it's only 50%. 50% of the church people never return to church. I still meet people on our Tuesday night service at Omega Center International who say to Pam, we'll see them in town. Where y'all been? Oh, we love y'all. Now, we want you to know we love y'all. And we watch every Tuesday night. You live in town. Why? Well, and this is what they said. We got out of going to church during COVID. I guess we got lazy. Come on, are you? You just admitted you're lukewarm. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus is going, eh, you know, because you are not doing, you're doing the very thing these foolish the virgins did. So pastor, preach that and let your people know. The, the Don't only be wise. Reason, Don't be foolish. The only reason that I could see that Jesus told that parable, the only reason was to raise the point that it is possible to think that you are ready mm. for the rapture. The bride, behold, the mm. bridegroom come. It's possible to think you're ready because they went to sleep thinking they were ready. Mm-hmm. They knew he was coming and not in reality be ready. And when he came, the five that were connected with him, looking for him went, but the five that were distracted we could say it with cares of life, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. That's why Jesus said, watch hmm. as well as pray. Because if you don't watch, you'll be outside the church doing your thing every Sunday and miss that and revival just wakes the whole church up. You know, we are hmm. a busy ministry. We have worldwide outreaches. We have Bible college. We have school of discipleship. We have Christmas programs. Right. We have... Oh, good Lord, every day, just <laughs> on and on in campuses and this ministry we're starting and this thing we're doing. 
And every once in a while, you need a divine interruption. It's not anything wrong with all of those. They're anointed and blessed ministries. But then comes those awakening moments where the Holy Spirit shows up. And Pastor, I don't care if you're Baptist, (laughs) if you're Methodist, if you're Presbyterian, if you're Independent. I don't care who you are. I know you love Jesus or you wouldn't even be listening to this podcast, and something in your heart as the shepherd of that flock says, if you will say, it starts with you, if you will say, Lord, I'm open. I don't want, I don't want sensationalism. I don't want fanaticism. I don't want, but dear God, I didn't get in this to be a professional. I Mm-mm. didn't get in this Mm-mm. for a career. I didn't get in this to just hold the fort. And and, right. and I'm open to a mighty move of God. I'm open to the Holy Spirit pouring out on my congregation until the people, their oil, the, the lamps have oil yes, in yes. their lamps. The fire is burning yeah. again. I conclude with yeah. this, but, you know, that, that, that uh, relay race uh, that I was talking with you at dinner the other night about <laughs> the torch— uh, mm-hmm. the, the Olympics, you mm-hmm. see them with the torch they started. Mm-hmm. That goes back to the Greek uh, first Olympics. And the whole point of it was they had something called the torch race. And it simply was this. It wasn't the fastest person who made it across the line. It's you had to keep the torch burning. If your, lo- if your torch went out and you were first to the finish line, you didn't win. It's only those who kept fire <laughs> In their torch, that one. And I want to say, Jesus said, "Keep your lamps burning." Yeah, it's keep it, your lamps He said, burning. "He that endures wow. to the end means you got to keep the fire in your torch. You don't lose that because now I know whenever God's through with this series right. of meetings, uh, something has happened to our whole congregation." That everybody's alert again. Burning, everybody's burning, burning zeal, zeal for God, worshiping. I, I, our worship. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Our worship. Honest, it's, it's, uh, honestly, it's like, we could say, just like, do nothing. It's like heaven. It I is. promise you, you get there. And, and it's I just, yearn for that in every church in listening and to everybody me. in the building's worshiping. Yes. That's a key. It is. Because you're creating the atmosphere for the unsaved people. It is. The most unusual things oh are happening. Oh, my God. We and can't you even. hear it. It's like. I wish you had really? time. You got to get out of here so you can yeah. go study and prepare yeah. for tonight. But um, would you pray, Perry, okay. for revival? Amen. I sure will. For the Spirit of the Lord, yes. whatever God leads you. Lord, I thank you for the, those who are watching this, and they're watching it not by coincidence. I believe that. I know some of these individuals, God, I've met them. They're hungry for the revival but they don't see anything happening. They don't maybe see an interest in their people. They see a lethargy. They see some lukewarmness. I want you to give them messages, Lord, from God that have such power and such anointing that the hearts of the people get stirred. I want you to send a sovereign move of the Spirit to every hungry pastor and every hungry church. Sovereign. Something we didn't, you, you can't work this up, God, but you can pray it down. And so, Pastor, there's never been anything that you'll ever go through that you, God, and your prayers can't change. Mm. So start seeking God. Call prayer meetings if it's only three or four people show up. It's great. Praise the Lord in Jesus' name. And I'll say one more thing. My dad was converted in a revival that went on three and a half years in two churches in West Virginia. You know how it started? Five retired preachers and two older women prayed six months for five times a, five times a week. And all they said was send revival to the coal fields. 
and a woman preacher started a revival that lasted three and a half years. Seventy men got saved and called to preach out of that ministry. Wow. Coalfield Revival. You never hear about that one. It's a big one, though. Powerful. Hallelujah. Wow. Thank well, you, thank Jesus. you guys. Thank you for for being spiritual. No, thank fa- you guys, man. For being I'm spiritual just, fathers. I'm, to I'm us. blessed to just yeah. be with some men of God. I'm just telling you, this is this is my this is my tribe right here. <laughs> Amen. And it's it, it is true that, like you said, there are few fathers, you know, and many teachers, but few fathers. And we 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 do need this. We have to have it. Um, I was I'm on the way here. I know I'm closing, and people probably already checked out. But on the way here, I was thinking in my mind that the the awkward feeling I have coming into things like this because I've never had somebody in my life where I would be lost if they weren't there. You know, there's the sense of like, I would be lost, mm. you know, and, and I, we need you guys because I would be lost Jesus. With, without you guys doing what you're doing. And, and, and we need you and we need revival. I love that scripture in Psalms that says, revive me. That's where it starts. Mm. Then yes. revive us and then revive thine work. So thank you for, ah, thank you, thank so you for carrying the you torch. And thank those you. like you, there is a generation of mighty, mighty, the greatest pastors the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And and you are a perfect example of a balance because you you talk about a strategist, you talk about a visionary, you talk about a, a an anointed and capable preacher, powerful, Praise powerful, God. having services like you wouldn't believe, soul winning, illustrated sermons, etc. But also, you know. Um, never losing that hunger to learn more about the move of the, the Holy Spirit movings and, and openness to God. So this Which is, is what maybe we, what we can do next, because I really that's what I was was hoping to do is kind of get into you guys grew up in these yes. revi so people like me yes. that I've never even seen it. I, yes. I don't even know what yeah. You need to, to come to back think and do another it. podcast yes, on that. Just some of that, that stuff yes, where you I wish we had a microphone at every meal that we shared. Oh, conversations. oh no joke. Sometimes we couldn't eat because... We're talking about the things God get, showed you or the things your dad told you and my dad told me. Yeah, And one, you know, just... Um, well, that's like, what we'll do at the ra- a round table. Yeah. We'll get a little fire. Let's do it. And let you tell all oh, the stories. Oh, we're going to do that. Behind, we're going to talk yeah. about it next time. Um soon <laughs> hey thank love you, you perry love thank you, you. Hey, thanks you guys uh subscribe like uh, message us message us in some way or another uh look forward to seeing you next time thank you for joining us for mentoring moments with jensen franklin and marcus Meekum. leave a comment to join the conversation don't forget to like share and subscribe